You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. Today, we're very lucky to be joined by Linda Hazan, who heads up the Marketing Communications Program and Customer Engagement Team at the Toronto Public Library. Uh, Her portfolio includes strategic communications, brand management, online communications and social media, content strategy, and the library's high-profile itinerary, cultural, and special events programming. In her past life, Linda held numerous marketing and product management positions with high-tech startups in Toronto. Linda also holds the Chartered Marketer CM designation from the Canadian Marketing Association. Linda, thanks for the amazing... (laughs) <laughs> sheets of accomplishments and what you handle. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. We're really excited to hear from you. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. I'm really excited about this conversation. That's awesome. So let's jump right into it, Linda. I think what I'd love to understand in our audience would is kind of what is your origin story? How did you find yourself in a position at the Toronto Public Library? And what did that hold for you in your past when you had that journey start after, I guess, university to where you are today? Yeah, well, it's interesting. You mentioned it in my bio that I actually spent 20 years doing marketing and product management, sort of flipping back and forth Hmm. for high-tech startups in emerging technologies and emerging markets. So that was a really fun ride, particularly through I'll date myself, but through the 80s and 90s, (laughs) where, you know, the start of the internet and coming out with products related to that, e-business, all those sorts of things. Really loved the entrepreneurial environment and fast-paced change, making it up as you go along. That was fun. (laughs) Still is. (laughs) But after a while, I really wanted to change for a variety of reasons. And as I was looking, I got a call that said, how about marketing at the library? And I was like, marketing at the library? I don't get that. that. Like, what? there's no marketing. Like, that's nothing. (laughs) And then I, completely wrong, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I got to know the Toronto Public Library, it's huge and diverse, does incredible things for the city of Toronto and the people of Toronto. 18 million visits a year. Wow. 33 million items circulated a year. Wow. Actually, if you count online, 46 million visits a year. So really thriving, busy, a very well-loved brand. And I fell in love with the place almost immediately. I'm also a reader. I mean, I studied English literature in university. So it was just like sort of coming home. Being in the public sector and making a difference, particularly in marketing, Mm -hmm. especially if you've been in B2B and that sort of thing was just really incredible. And I've been there for 15 years now. Wow. For 15 years. Yeah. So big change when you're in startups in Canada, you're, you're changing jobs every two to three years. Like I was rarely in a place more than I think the longest was five years and to be here for 15 years. And it's always changing, really exciting, amazing people, amazing brand. So Thanks for sharing. That's that's quite the history. I'd love to dig in a little bit about your earlier experience in marketing and product management positions for high tech startups. How did you find yourself there? Like, where did where, where did you find opportunities for that? And the date ranges you gave, like that's so interesting to hear. At that point, like what was high tech and that path that you came from there? How did you find yourself in those positions? Well, it started with I did co op 
at University of Waterloo, mostly out of necessity. And they're very connected to the mm. high-tech industries and particularly with their math and engineering programs. But their arts programs also had co-op opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I just ended up doing technical writing, marketing, anything that was uh. communications-based for these companies. And they were small. That's where I was drawn to the small entrepreneurial ones. So I did everything and I learned a lot on the job. And a lot of it, like there were no marketing rules for the internet at the time. The first year that they started putting products out for the World Wide Web, mm-hmm. <laughs> we went to 28 trade shows in a year because we didn't know which show, where was going to, what was going to, like where things were going to land. So wow. it was constantly changing, great opportunity to learn. And I ended up in product management, (laughs) again, small companies, they'd come to marketing and say, I need a brochure, I need a sales sheet, I need a whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'd like be, okay, so who's your audience? And what's your, what are your key differentiators? And what are your objectives? And they're like, oh, those are really good questions. Maybe we should answer those. So I ended up doing a lot of the product marketing and product management work in order to be able to do some of the marketing work. So I, I ended up flipping back and forth. Very, very interesting, creative, non-traditional kind of path for marketing, for sure. Thanks for sharing. And I think that, you know, what you shared there about having to wear multiple hats as a result of some of the questions you're asked will resonate really strongly with our audience. A lot of them who are entrepreneurs and are on teams that are like two to three people that have to wear all these different hats. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Let's jump forward a little bit. Can you share a little bit about what you're excited for that's upcoming in CPL's customer engagement projects and initiatives? I mean, like you said, there's endless opportunities that you find. What are some some really exciting ones coming up for Q4 and the, the next year in 2022? So it's been an interesting journey through COVID. Just prior to COVID, we actually launched a new brand expression hmm. for the library. And really, our goal was to be able to update people's thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, who we are, what we do, and why we matter. And through that exercise that we went through, and it was an 18-month process to come to our new brand expression and brand framework, because everybody's very invested in the library brand. They own it, the TPL brand. So we really mm-hmm. wanted to make it an engaging process. And so we launched in the fall of 2019 with the intention of doing a major rollout in 2020, mm-hmm. which kind mm-hmm. of got <laughs> sidetracked. Although we did do a major rollout internally, which was really important for everybody to be on the same page in terms of this. Mm-hmm. And part of the exercise that we did was also looking at customer experience outcomes and what we really, how we really wanted to define what an excellent customer experience would be at, at TPL. Mm-hmm. And so that framework and those exper- uh, customer experience outcomes have really guided a lot of what we've done and been really helpful through the change that we've had to go through with COVID. Mm-hmm. And I would say a lot of what we've done in the last 18 months has very much been grounded in our brand and in our value to our customers and to their communities and to the city. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm going to answer your question. No, context is great. I think that um, one of the things we did, we had to close all of our branches. We have 100 branches in neighborhoods throughout Toronto. Wow. And we had to close them all down, which was significant also because we serve a lot of vulnerable populations. Mm-hmm. 
and high needs neighborhoods that really need the services that we offer and shutting down, whether it's our public spaces or access to Wi-Fi and our computers. Mm. There were many things that, that were really challenging for the communities. And almost immediately, we were able to contribute in a non-traditional way by converting our branches to food banks. Oh, wow. Because what had happened was several food banks in the neighborhoods had to shut down because they couldn't have, they didn't have volunteers or they didn't have the spaces. So we stepped in and were able to offer that. Wow. Also, our book distribution center that distributes those, those millions of books, we converted to a food distribution center. And so we were able to help distribute food throughout the city as well. So that's an example of how we, and I hate the word, but pivoted (laughs) during the pandemic. We also looked at ways that, like everybody, you know, moving a lot of our our content online, our services online, and also looked at ways that we could continue to offer access to technology in non-traditional ways. So we partnered with local organization where we distributed laptops and Wi-Fi hotspots to people who wouldn't otherwise have access. Oh, that's great. These were students and families and because everything moved online, but people didn't have the access. So in terms of as we look forward and we, we are reopening our services, we've had to shut down and open and shut and open. One of the things that we're really excited about is a lot of the new services that we had to introduce as part of reacting to COVID. Mm-hmm. These are now new services. We're not going to be pulling back anymore. Amazing. And so looking at how we're going to be able to deliver these services, how we're, it's changing the way we have to communicate and market and help people understand what we do, because we're not going back to the way the library was. We're moving forward to more and different. And so it's going to be a challenge and exciting one for how we're going to be, for example, marketing hybrid services. Could how you share communicate a little bit? About yeah, well, so services? for example, we do a lot of programming in, in branch programming and you, you referenced it. We do literary and cultural events there. Mm-hmm. We get 600, 700 people that come. We shifted that to online mm-hmm. and we can bring big name authors and have interesting conversations online. And we found that it's really expanded our audience and it's really increased accessibility. Mm-hmm. The way we used to market it is like, go to the website and click on the link for the event and then see which branch it's at and go. And here's your paper magazine that tells you everything that we have. Well, now we're going to be looking at programs that are in-person, programs that are online, programs that are streamed, programs that are on demand. And now we have to think differently about how we're going to be communicating that to the various people. Where do they go? How do they find it? How do they understand it? Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to rethink also how our multi-channel communications and engagements are going to happen. And it's one of the things we're very, very much focused on right now. I've established content strategy and editorial group within my, my division so that we can really focus on making sure that we're delivering the right content to the right people at the right time in the right place. Mm-hmm. And given that TPL serves so many people in so many ways with so many services, that's our biggest challenge by far. How do I make sure that when you come into the branch as a father with your toddler for a story time, that's who I'm talking to. But when you come in as a small business owner to use our entrepreneur services and our small business services, how am I talking to you about those services at the right time in the right place with the right stuff? It's a, and how, it's a really how big can challenge. They, and how can those two 
very specific audiences, how can they leave knowing the right resources to check in when they're, you know, online or vice versa, a more proactive approach from your side? How do you get them to trigger something where you can remarket to them moving forward? Exactly. And how do I know them? And how do I do it all with very little budget? Yeah. 43 million, wasn't it? 43 million circulated items or something like that? It's 30 million circulated items of 46 million visits a year. Wow. Wow. My my question, while you're saying all those, all, all the different objectives that you had and how excited you were, my mind goes to, well, how big is the team? And <laughs> and you made reference to the, the limited resources that you have access to. How how big is your team? Like when you're when you were working through this, we've talked about many hats being worn by you before. How about in your job today? What what does that look like? Yeah, so we've got in our marketing communications team, I'd say there's about doing this off the top of my head, dividing it up, but I think there's around eight. And then we have our own creative services team. So we have in-house graphic designers and we've added digital media specialists as well so that we can create content in multiple formats. Nice. We have those resources also oversee our online communications and social media because we're responsible for overseeing our online channels as well and Mm -hmm. generating content and customer engagement. We have a very small team that does strategic communications, like a couple of people that does strategic communications on our media relations and all of that. And what else do we have? That's So I think all in all, we're like, if you include the programming people, we're about 20 people. Wow. But that's made up of comms people, creative services, strategy, all of that sort of stuff. So yeah. Wow. Good for yes. you <laughs> for running all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why it's a long list that we're responsible for, but it's an awesome team. They are amazing. Well, the team that you've highlighted, they also affect so many people, right? And and help the communities. That's, that's massive. I mean, as stretched as I imagine you feel sometimes the, the payoff knowing that you've been able to help the communities and help your visitors empower themselves through your resources must be a great feeling. It is amazing. It is. And you know what, when I worked in high tech, it was very, a lot of our customers were in the States and it was, it was mostly B2B or B2B to C. But working at the library, you walk in the front door and there there are your customers and you see them lined up outside before the doors open and they race to the computers or to race to their spot that they want. And you see the diversity of who uses the services. It's really rewarding for sure. Yeah. I'm curious because I'm curious about how you... I guess, educate your, the audience members to come in, especially now with a uh, pivot to a lot more online services and online resources. How have you been able to affect your audience that needs that education to be able to u- utilize it? And I'm thinking very selfishly of my dad. I know my dad goes to the library a lot and he's 76 and he loves going to the library. And I know he goes and just sits on a computer all day there. What are some initiatives you guys take or, or I guess safeguards you guys take to make sure that your new offerings, the ones that are focused online, are educated to your audience? So it's definitely a challenge because we mm-hmm. talked about that. How do you reach your dad where he is understanding? He might know us for our computers and mm-hmm. not know that there's a whole bunch of other resources that are available. So I think that there's there's a few strategies that we use. First of all, we utilize all of the channels that we have and we are as I said, we're a hundred branches in neighborhoods across the city. So definitely those are opportunities mm-hmm. right there in the branch to be able to communicate. We are in those communities and we're very well known and well connected in those communities. So we rely 
very much on those community connections to help tell our story Mm. um, and target to those groups what we have. So for example, if there's a community group that focuses on at-risk teens, then we'll make sure that they have the relationship with that branch to understand the services that are offered at that local level. Got it. So we operate very much on a local level. And then online, it's more of a challenge because it's not so local, right? Mm -hmm. So again, we try and utilize those channels of those partners that they have online as well. Our social media, we've been quite successful in building our brand and our engagement. But building out that audience can be a challenge. I'm sure I doubt your dad is on Twitter or Facebook, maybe, but (laughs) might not be the place to engage him in that regard. The other thing that we've been doing is aligning with other brands to help tell our story Mm -hmm. and brands that are within the community. One example is for small business, we've been partnering with a lot of technology companies, whether it's Google or Cisco or Microsoft, and not just aligning from a marketing perspective, but from a service offering perspective as well. Mm. And so they now the library as a brand is recognized for those services, not just related to books or not just related to kids, but related to those services. So partnership is a really important strategy for us, not Mm -hmm. just to help leverage resources, but to be able to get the word out, use those networks, but but also build our brand and tell the narrative. We also rely on influencers, in particular media, to understand that we are not who you might think we are. Mm -hmm. And they can tell those stories in a way that are quite compelling. And they love them, right? They love the direct impact stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we do a lot to help the city succeed. And so when they're doing stories about the city, the library is a natural part of that. And, you know, like the food banks are a good example of that. So we're really trying to tell the story that the library is more. You need to understand that first. Yeah. And then you can start looking for the others, believing that there's more than just what you're doing right now. And then we have to find ways to target you, to reach you, to understand you and get you the right message and the right content at the right time. That's, That's still a challenge for us, but we're working on it. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that was a very robust answer. I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about kind of use your insights as someone who's been both public and private side, I would love to understand your experience and when you've been working in marketing with both the brand and, and I guess, private and public sector, what is one of the biggest differences or what are some meaningful differences that you've observed in your time working on both sides? And this is okay. maybe some context. The reason why I want to ask this question is because I want, yeah. I'm hoping some of our listeners, well, I know that some of our listeners are going to be faced with this decision either tomorrow or somewhere in the next couple of months as they make career decisions. Okay. So public sector, there's a lot more regulation. Mm-hmm. The need for accountability and transparency means that you have to operate differently. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I would say is when I think of the library brand, it's not mine. It's our customers. The they own it yeah. and we serve them. Mm-hmm. And you change the way you think about how you do what you do mm-hmm. and how you respond to what people need. Mm-hmm. I think in the private sector, you're more driven by your shareholders or by each quarter's returns. It's a different driver mm-hmm. and it's 
very focused and it's at a totally different pace. (laughs) Both are very exciting and different, but there's different kinds of constraints that you're working within. And I found one of the biggest differences is focusing on profit or revenue versus value Mm -hmm. is a different animal when it comes to marketing. And also when you're in the public service, you're really working with finite resource. So you're driving, you're trying to drive use, Mm -hmm. but there's, it's not like the more you use, the more money you get, the more service you can deliver. It's like, that's your budget. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, not just your budget, but also we can only fit 50 people in the room. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? We don't have a bigger room. Yeah. So if I'm hugely successful with my marketing, I could actually create demand that I can't deliver on. Mm. Right. So there's, there's interesting constraints and interesting opportunities. One of the challenges that I've found in the marketing world is trying to translate marketing strategies Mm -hmm. that are conceived in the private sector or executed in the private sector and translate them for the public sector and sort of change it to how do I build value Mm -hmm. versus revenue or profit? Mm -hmm. And I find that it's a translation process that I have to go through in my mind and educating my team. If I just send them off to a marketing conference or do a marketing program, it's not a direct, oh, we can just do that. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, how do we take that and how do we translate it for the kinds of things that we're doing? So it's a, it's an interesting challenge there. I hope that answered your question. Absolutely, it does. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I think definitely, you know, when you were saying the taking strategies that you've experienced or built for the private sector and then translating them to the public and then looking at it from a perspective of resources versus limited resources, that is so interesting because in the private sector, if you do a great job and in marketing and you drive 200% more engagement, well, that's great. Here's more, here's yeah. more money. Here's more resources. And the public's out there. You got to be able to cap it and understand. It's almost like you're being more precise yeah. with public sector marketing and you have to be very precise. I'm curious about this chartered marketing designation. What does that mean and how do you get it? And what does it allow you to do? So the... Canadian Marketing Association developed this curriculum, this education program that is comprehensive across all the different competencies for marketing, including wow. financial, including brand, including digital. It's a, uh, it's a full curriculum. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that curriculum that you do, you have an actual designation that says you're a chartered marketer. Mm. And that indicates that you've got that level of learning and capability and competency. You know, it really gives the discipline more, I don't want to say credibility because we all believe that there's credibility with it, but understanding that there's lots of education and, and competency that goes into uh, the marketing profession. And wow. if you want to know how to do it, <laughs> you can go to the CMA website. And it will indicate how you sign up for it and what the cost is and how long it takes. And it's great for your teams. In particular, it's good for sort of that middle level or people that are starting out that that want to um, uh, be able to progress and grow in the profession. 
thanks for answering that. As soon as I saw that in your bio, I was like, I got to ask about that. That's something yeah, yeah. new. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommended. It. It's mm-hmm. very comprehensive. You know, I learned on the job, mm-hmm. but I, I would I would have really liked some of that grounding, um, especially some of the stuff around digital and finance and like the stuff that you don't always get that grounding in. So it's totally. a great program. I mean, I, I found myself in, in I run, I founded a digital marketing agency about seven years ago now, but I kind of fell backwards into this from a, from a double major that's nothing related to what I'm doing now. (laughs) (laughs) So, so having something like this and knowing that it's out there, I think will be a a massive resource in terms of building that foundation for some of our listeners. Yeah. Linda, I wanted to switch to our our rapid fire questions. This has gone really quickly. Obviously we've been able to answer some great questions. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So for the rapid fire questions, Got answers. There are no wrong answers. You can say one sentence. You can say 10. It's up to you. But I want to start with something that you touched on earlier. Why do you hate the word pivot? Well, because it's overused and not thoughtful. So I think words should be thoughtful. (laughs) Great answer. I I feel like it's a a catch-all. It's being used as a catch-all for things, especially during COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we had the pivot on your employment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it okay. started out as the right word. It, it started off as absolutely. So, yeah. What was your first job? Under the table, over the table, doesn't matter. What was your first job? It was babysitting. Nice. When I was twelve years old, and I was the fourth of five kids, so all of my siblings above me just transferred their work to me, all their contracts oh, to me. So you got I had admit- lots of work. Yeah, you got a nice taste of uh, the private sector right then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, are you a are you a night owl or are you an early bird? Night owl for sure. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah, I was expecting the other. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, I'll get up if I have to, but I I stay up late. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I can't go to bed early. So. All right. This next one. What was the first thing you marketed? Oh God. Well, I guess myself <laughs> in job search. Good one. <laughs> I think is, is that's the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, the first thing I marketed as a professional was HP 3000 mini computer software. That's what I wanted to know. It was so much fun, but it was really boring. It sounds boring, <laughs> but it was really fun. Anyway. <laughs> no, thanks for sharing. What is the guilty pleasure that you have? Hmm. <sighs> Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is I'm a football fanatic. And so being able to spend the entire day or the entire weekend just binging on football and not doing anything else. Oh, yeah. I guess would be a guilty pleasure. Thank you for sharing that, Linda. <laughs> to our listeners, you guys haven't been able to see this, but Linda's been power drinking from a Packers cup the whole time <laughs> we've been talking. Linda, this one's a little bit more serious. What was the last charity you supported financially? Or with your time and why? And I know you you shared about the pivot to food banks um, outside of that. So United Way is a charity that I give to regularly. Nice. And the reason is it's close to home. It serves the communities that I live in. And I that for me is important. I like their model that they give to the organizations on the ground that can make the difference. And they're my neighbors <laughs> is the way I look at it that, that are being served and that it, it helps make the city stronger and better as well. So that's, that's one of my charities. Thanks for sharing. That's perfect. Well, Linda, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing your very unique experience going from 
private to public and sharing about your exciting initiatives that you're undertaking after COVID as, as the public launches back into visiting your 100 plus branches, TPL. I know our audience will be really happy to hear about those initiatives as well as learn from uh, what you shared with us today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been so much fun. Thanks, Linda. Take care. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.